Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Mercury ingressing into the sign of Pisces. We're going to go on an epic journey this afternoon as we, um, you know, examine all of the transits of Mercury through the sign of Pisces and try to uh, bring it all together into some kind of coherent, uh, essential nature of what we're going to be experiencing from March the 15th. Uh, all the way up until April the 3rd. So usually I do decanic um, videos, but since Mercury moves so quickly, uh, I figured I would kind of try to, you know, put it all together in one video for you. So here we go. I hope you're doing well out there and uh, hanging in there. Happy to be with you again here today. Um, thank you for all the nice comments you've been leaving and uh, all the new subscribers that we've had to the channel. It's very exciting. Um, if you're enjoying these videos, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you aren't already. And uh, leave me a comment. You know, leave me a, a comment about how you're doing with Mercury over the Piscean season. And uh, let's keep the conversation flowing. All right, so what are we looking at here with Mercury and Pisces? Well, we've got some challenges. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, Mercury is not super comfortable in the sign of Pisces. Uh, it is said to be in its exile and in its fall simultaneously. So those are both positions where uh, exile can be thought of as uh, a planet being in a temple or domicile that is opposite of its ruler. So, okay, so let's think about it like this. So I'm just going to show you one chart here. And we've got Mercury here in Pisces, moves into Pisces March 15th, 6.26 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Okay, so we did switch over to Daylight Time. Hopefully you've all recovered from that. But what we're looking at here is we've got Mercury's domicile of Virgo over here and opposite the domicile of Jupiter, which is Pisces domain, right? or Jupiter's domain is Pisces and Sagittarius. You can think of it like that. So what happens when we have Mercury, a planet that is associated with things like communication, commerce, being able to move between worlds, being able to differentiate between different things, being able to question lots of things, um, you know, being able to be adaptable to the environment that it finds itself in, sort of an ambiguity or a questioning nature associated with Mercury. Well, what happens when we put that in Jupiter's house? Now, Jupiter is a planet associated with trying to bring order, trying to bring stability, trying to bring merit through your actions. Uh, when it's in its nocturnal form, it is sort of a, a demiurge or a creator that is trying to bring something you know new into existence through going off into our imaginal realms, through exploring uh, our spirit, uh, through exploring whatever animating spirit causes us to move forward with our life. So a difficult placement for Mercury. And I will explain it through reading to you an excerpt from Charles Obert's book, The Classical Seven Planets, Source Texts and Meaning, really great book, consolidates a lot of source texts into one handy dandy little uh, compendium. And uh, he says in his Mercury channel, or Mercury channel, his Mercury chapter, uh, it says, without Mercury, there is no awareness. Nothing we would recognize as consciousness. As consciousness, Mercury goes in multiple directions. It can be focused outward or it can be focused inward. It can convey information back and forth. Mercury, the messenger, conveys news and information, but also conveys goods and services. So we see the association with commerce, business, marketing, and money as a medium of exchange. Mercury is not so much the goods themselves, but the act of exchanging them and the markets where the exchanges take place. Okay, so it is kind of the means of 
translation, you know, the means of exchange, the ability to interact with other people of maybe different uh, viewpoints. This is where Mercury really thrives in the sign of Gemini, being able to see multiple viewpoints and communicate those things to one another. When Mercury is in its home sign of Virgo, a lot of the uh, communication is an, is an inner one, but it's, it is able to differentiate and demarcate and say, okay, this is a thought or a, a consciousness that needs to stay. This is one that we need to bring into form, and this one needs to be eliminated. Well, that ability is uh, severely hampered in the sign of Pisces, which tends to blend a lot of things together in sort of an oceanic matrix-like consciousness. So, you know, we are dealing with, um, you know, a mute sign as well. This is something to consider. When we have a, a planet that is associated with communication, but it is placed in a sign that is not necessarily known for being able to speak at all. In traditional astrology, they had these sort of extra conditions with a sign, like is it four-footed, is it winged, uh, is it voiced, or is it mute? And they all had these, you know, extra meanings associated with them. Um, but a, you know, a mute sign like Pisces, Cancer, or Scorpio were associated with creatures that didn't necessarily have a voice, quote unquote. So when we put the communicator planet in a mute sign, you know, <laughs> you can you can kind of infer the the you know some of the the troubles it might have. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people that have had Mercury in Pisces or have that natally that can probably, uh, I was going to say speak to this, but maybe they don't speak to it. Maybe they intuit it uh, or, you know, feel it that when they were younger, they had some difficulty verbalizing some of the very deep feelings and emotions and, and awarenesses of the unified field of consciousness and putting it into something that is easily digestible, like language. There was a lot of associations with Mercury and Pisces with like things like poetry, with figurative language or metaphor rather than linear thinking. You know, we're really getting in touch with the, the right brain rather than the, le the left brain. This is where we are. We almost have to let go of our analytical sides and embrace our artistic and liminal sides, you know, the liminal spaces, the in-between spaces, right? So, you know, another thing to think about with Mercury in, in Pisces is that generally, you know, Mercury adjusts to the place that it's in. Well, when we have something that is so boundaryless or boundless as the house of Pisces, like the ocean itself, uh, you know, we may feel overwhelmed with trying to figure out which direction we're heading in, you know, which way is up, which way is down, um, you know, what kind of container we're going to pour ourselves into because the, the container is consciousness itself. So um, some challenges with that. Now, in defense of all of you Mercury and Pisces folks out there, eventually many people with this placement really do learn how to manage this. It's not that they are incapable of communicating. It's that they are, you know, learning to communicate in their own unique, specific way. Uh, maybe they have certain uh, routines that they follow to be able to keep track of things. I was speaking with uh, a Piscean Mercury friend of mine, who actually is one of my go-tos as far as like trusting their intuition. Um, I would say that they have admitted that they are not necessarily the detail-oriented person, uh, and that they have had to incorporate a lot of um, systematic type of checklists to be able to deal with more of the mercurial parts of their life. Um, but as far as their gut instinct goes, I, I would trust it over almost anybody's. And um, I think that that is some of the, the gifts that we get with Mercury in this position is, you know, the way that the brain works is much more intuitive it's much more ephemeral. Uh, it is much more about diving into the internal spaces, right? Going off on some kind of journey to find meaning, which can make it difficult to pay attention to the everyday, uh, you know, responsibilities that we have. 
I think that that's what we're going to be seeing with Mercury moving into Pisces is we're going to want to go off in search of, of meaning. And that can make it difficult for us to pay the bills. It can make it difficult for us to make sure we're paying attention to the, the mundane everyday details of our life that require daily attention. So not that we can't do those things. We'll just have to work a little bit harder to, to organize our lives, I think, with this transit of Mercury. Okay, so now, you know, taking a look at the condition of Mercury in, in even more depth. Let's take a look at this. Starting off on March 15th, we have Mercury, you know, stacked up with this, you know, stellium of planets in Pisces. So we have the Sun and Venus and Neptune all hanging out with Mercury. Now, one of the things that I think that Mercury does is Mercury tends to create a, a, a little bit of doubt wherever it is hanging out. Um, Mercury was the cosmic lawyer that was questioning witnesses on the stand where Jupiter was the cosmic judge trying to come to a verdict. So when we, when we have Mercury moving through Jupiter's sign, we may be ca casting a little bit of doubt on our certainty on our internal certainty, on the, the journey that we are taking, that we've been taking over the past few weeks here with uh, the sun and, and Venus moving through Pisces, we may have really gone off in exploration of that animating principle of meaning, of our internal philosophy that will eventually lead to external action, of being unified with source itself and our higher self. Now, once Mercury enters the picture, uh, we may have a little bit of doubt that comes into the picture. Uh, we may be questioning, you know, whether the dream that we have is on stable ground and whether it is achievable and asking ourselves, what are the skills necessary to bring that vision into fruition? Mercury is all about skillfulness as well. Um, Hermes, little baby Hermes, was a very precocious youth. He was able to do a number of things uh, that belied his age. Um, you know, he was a, a masterful musician. He was able to be a little bit of a trickster with the other gods and, you know, play, play jokes on them and um, even get away with a lot of things because of his ability to, to um, be so skilled at such a young age. So, Wherever Mercury is placed, we have to figure out that these are the resources that we're being given right now to, to kind of um, to mix the cosmic soup. I think of Mercury as the it's, the, it's the spoon that's stirring the drink at this point, right? It's whatever we're using, whatever talents, abilities, or whatever we're going to use to bring things into fruition, to bring the light of the sun this like which we could think of as spirit into form which we could think of as the moon mercury is always an intermediary between those two right is it is kind of the the way that we are going to animate form with spirit all right so let's think a little bit about some of the other challenges we could have here i've gone over that we've got nonlinear thinking patterns more web-like thinking this could lead to a little bit of brain fog as we go through Mercury and Pisces, um, trying to make connections rather than clearly demarcating, poetic thinking, metaphorical or figurative language rather than lin linear. We've talked about the mute sign and the difficulty articulating our deep ineffable feelings, a shakeup of our inner stability and order. Questions that may come up is who am I? What, why, what is my animating principle and guiding light? Why am I doing this? Why the hell am I going on this, this journey, right? Um, I think that Charles Obert talks about Mercury as uh, an oscillating force rather than the moon's waxing and waning. We have Mercury that swings back and forth like a pendulum. Uh, so this could be where we're swinging back and forth between options and we're trying to you know, weigh the advantages and disadvantages of, of our internal uh, spirit and, and dream that we're trying to achieve. And that could lead to some confusion, okay? So before we get all into, you know, breaking in this, uh, let's take a look at other potential challenges. 
So again, Mercury is bringing that sense of confusion to all of this Piscean stack up. We do have a square, a whole sign square between Mercury and Mars. That's going to be part of our conversation moving forward. Uh, and that's really interesting because Mars is in the sign of Mercury, Gemini. So this internal journeying that we are going to be questioning is going to be providing some of the, the materia for Mars to act upon. It might lead to a little bit of frustration. It might lead to a little bit of paralysis. Uh, it might lead to a little bit of, um, you know, trying to go back and forth between imagined pathways. And that could, that could lead to some tension. Um, th that's probably going to lead to some frustration where we are confused about why we're doing what we're doing. And that'll make it difficult for, for us to use our energy and, and choose a specific path. Mars moving through Gemini right now is kind of, you know, showing us a number of options, but also requiring us to make a choice. And we can't really do everything all at once. And we're going to maybe feel some of that frustration. And uh, we do have Mars right now kind of, you know, animating and speeding up our communications, uh, maybe bringing a slight amount of conflict or, or uh, debate around the way that we communicate. And that could get a lot more difficult once Mercury moves into Pisces, um, because a lot of the the arguments that we think that we're making that are rational become much more subjective and irrational. And that, that can really lead to an, an even more challenging communication. So be, be aware of that um, and be cautious of how you use your words and really try to um, figure out if what you are saying is rooted in objectivity or rooted in your subjective internal perspective. As I'm recording this right now, we're in the last hours of Mercury in Aquarius, which, which is a position of objectivity. It's a Saturnian home where we can hover above the landscape and see the big picture. Well, we're going to you know, you know, lose a little bit of that as we move with Mercury into Pisces. Okay. Um, we do have some sextiles between Mercury and Pluto and then Mercury and Uranus as far as whole sign aspects go. Um, so let's see. I think I, we're going to, I'm going to go through in a more linear fashion with these as we move along here. Um, I did want to show you though, as we go along the different, hex, um, sorry, the different tarot cards associated with these decans. So let's do this. Let's take you through day by day, what we're going to be experiencing with Mercury here. We will eventually get to the hexagram that'll give us, they'll tie everything up in a bow and kind of hopefully give us the essential nature of all of this. But let's kind of um, break down the details as we move forward. All right, so we're going to start off on the 15th with Mercury in the first decade of Pisces. This decade is associated with the Eight of Cups. Here you can see this, this is the figure that is going off into the unknown trying to find uh, a new spiritual meaning, leaving the material success behind. So, you know, we've had many planets over the last few weeks, you know, going through this decan, specifically the, uh, the sun and Venus, and they've gone through their phase of going through and leaving something behind in search of it's the animating principle. And now it's Mercury's turn. So really what I want you to do is I want you to look at the Gemini and Mercury areas of your life, okay, or the houses that are associated with these two houses, and then take a look at the Pisces area and re recognize that Mercury is going to be starting to go on a journey of finding meaning for what is going to be providing for the Gemini and Virgo areas of your life. So for example, in this chart that I have on the screen, we have a, a, a Virgo rising. So somebody with Mercury moving into their seventh house of Pisces, maybe questioning some of their relationships and, you know, how they are, what is really the driving force behind their relationships. And that may be providing uh, information or confusion in this case for their own personal sense of identity, because Virgo is on the first house cusp and the action that they take out in the world, because Gemini is on the 10th house cusp. 
Okay, so both of those could be having a, a, a focal point in the relationships. That could be where the energy is coming from, okay? So do, you can do this with your chart too and, and kind of shift the, the, um, the different houses around to see where that's going to be bringing you information. All right, so when we're moving through the first decade, let's, let's just show you what's, what else is going to happen here. Now, through the 18th, the 18th, we're going to start feeling uh, this series of fixed stars. We've got three fixed stars that are very close to one another. And since Mercury is moving very fast, there's going to be a two or three day period between the 18th and the 20th where Mercury is going to hit all of these fixed stars by projected ecliptical degree. So what we've got here is uh, on the 18th, Mercury is going to hit a fixed star called Sadalmilik, and that is the right shoulder of Aquarius, the, the lucky one of the king, which had some significations with agency. Good luck that you create on your own, okay? Um, so this may be a time where we're really trying to create uh, some of our own fortune through thinking about where we're going to go next and trying to find meaning. Um, very shortly after that, uh, at four degrees of Pisces, Mercury is going to hit, hit Fomahol, which is one of the royal watchers. Uh, it is the fixed star associated with the winter solstice. It was in the mouth of the fish, the southern fish, not necessarily the fishes that were in the constellation Pisces, but the fish that is at the, the um, that is receiving the waters of Aquarius, the southern fish. And this this is a very charismatic area of the zodiac where you know, you are able to use your charisma, but in a way potentially that uh, needs to be in service of your community. That's one of the pitfalls or the nemeses of, of Fomahal or one of the royal stars of Persia is that if you use those, those skills, that charismatic ability, that poetic, you know, license in service of your own glorification, that can lead to a, a fall from grace. So be very careful that you're not using your mercurial abilities to, to be self-serving around this period of time. Um, and we're also going to see Mercury hit the fixed star uh, Deneb LDJ, which is associated with Cygnus the Swan. This is another point in the sky where we are thinking about, you know, magical thinking, um, where we are feeling very artistic but you have to think about there is one you know, kind of signification with Cygnus and swans in general that speak to a little bit of territorialism. And I think that this is something to watch out for during this period of time is when you are trying to communicate your ideas, uh, there can be some confusion around what is yours and what is someone else's and, and you know, whether an idea is coming from you or from what you're absorbing from your community, or from your partners, or from the people in your life. Remember, Mercury is in a, in a boundaryless place now. So a lot of our thoughts, we could be absorbing from just the collective. And a lot of our feelings and a lot of our, the way that we're expressing ourselves could be a, a reflection of, you know, the, a million voices speaking all at once, rather than, you know, our own inner you know, chosen voice. So be careful of that. As the um, planet Mercury is going to be moving through the first decade, the only planetary contact that we have by aspect is a sextile to Uranus. So this may be where we have to really think outside the box to to shift some of the way that we deal with our material resources. Um, we may get a little bit worried about, you know, our material resources. Uranus in the first second of Taurus is associated with the five of pentacles where we're having a little bit of, um, you know, we're really trying to think outside the box so that we don't, you know, leave ourselves high and dry when it comes to the money or resources or whatever supports us in our life. Uh, there's two figures in that card that are, having some difficulties uh, outside of a church and they have fallen on some hard times potentially. So there may be some, some communications that you receive where 
to not fall on those hard times. You have to do things in a unique way, an innovative way. You have to kind of steal fire from the gods on some level, like Prometheus, if we want to speak to, um, you know, the way that various astrologers have thought of Uranus and that, and that energy and how it expresses itself. Okay, so let's move forward from that. Okay, covering a lot of ground today. Um, just so you know that the face rulers of, of Pisces 1 are Saturn and Jupiter. So being a, a more Saturnian face, that's where we get that kind of leaving something behind, going off into intentional exile, and uh, maybe feeling like we're just not being able to connect with something and feeling a little bit of discontent. I think that's the Saturnian vibe that we've got going on there. On the 22nd, Mercury is going to move into the second decan of Pisces. And uh, that's where we're really going to start to feel the square with Mars. Okay, so we see this here where we've got Mercury starting to apply to a square with Mars. So the, the energy and, and intensity about the choices of the paths that we have in front of us are really going to intensify. And this is really interesting because we've just you know, gotten the sun uh, being basically reborn at the spring equinox. And we're going to feel like we want to take action. This, this Mars is going to be informing the actions that we're taking with the sun, this vital spirit, this animating life-giving force that the sun is. We're like ready to, to move forward with something. But there is probably going to be some tension in the beginning of Aries season because the host of the sun is making a square to that Mercury in the second decan of Pisces. And that second decan of Pisces really has some significations uh, with doing too much and overestimating your abilities. Here we have the Nine of Cups that is making a square with the energy of the, the, the Nine of Swords. So through potential overconfidence, we may be creating this situation where we you know, don't know what we should do next, you know, with this nine of, of swords kind of thing where we're like, oh my God, there's so many choices. I don't know how to, to reconcile the dualities of my path. Um, there are some fixed stars in this decan uh, at 15 degrees of Pisces, one called Achernar and one called Anka, where there is that story of Phaethon, the, the, the son of Apollo that was trying to guide the chariot of his father across the sky and failed and, and uh, overestimated his power and was eventually struck down by Zeus and drowned in the river, the Eurydanus. So I would, I would very much caution you at the beginning of uh, the spring season. You don't have to do everything at once or all at once. Yes, it is important to, to make some choices, and to, beginning, to begin to make choices and eliminate some options so you can move forward with your chosen path. Um, but again, you will have to be patient with the process and you will have to figure out which of those paths really does resonate with you in your internal, heart-centered um, awareness of who you really are and your connection to your animating spirit. I love that word. I'm going to keep saying that word in regards to Pisces and Jupiter and Pisces. It's, you know, when we've gone through this journey at the end of winter, we really are going through the end of the hibernation phase after we've, you know, rejected so many things throughout the Pisces, I'm sorry, throughout the Saturnian signs of Capricorn and Aquarius then we're trying to bring reunification in Pisces to figure out, you know, the why of what we're moving forward. And then once we're moving into this Aries type of consciousness, we want to take action on, on what we've decided we want to do. So that necessitates making choices and splitting away from the, the crowd and the, the mother plants. It's, it's like birth, you know, I think of Pisces as this gestation period, right? Where we're, we're growing inside a womb and eventually we have to go through the pain of birth in Aries to become this, this individual point of consciousness that is separate from the mother. And that's a, some, that, that can bring some pain. That's not always a nice thing. You know, there's a reason why babies cry when they're born because they're like, oh my God, put me back. <laughs> like, 
what happened? I was so comfortable in this, in this womb. It was, I, everything was provided for me. You know, I could hear a heartbeat and now I'm cold. I'm wet and I'm, you know, this in pain. Like it's a, it's a, it's a shock to the system. But eventually we move through the shock and we are able to kind of start uh, step by step, you know, I think getting used to this new world that we're a part of, this new separate identity. And eventually we can maybe even take some joy in that process. All right. So as we move through this, uh, on the 22nd and 23rd, you can see that we have that square with Mars. So be really careful about the way that you communicate with people around this period of time because because of your own frustration with trying to figure out what you who you are and what you want to do, it may cause you to lash out uh, and argue with people. Be careful not to project your own uh, doubt uh, onto other people and get into arguments with them because you're, you yourself are feeling insecure. A lot of the times we can get into arguments with people, especially when we are challenged, when our position is challenged, we can get into arguments with people because we feel sometimes that when someone has a separate or different opinion than us, that that necessarily means that they are A, rejecting our viewpoint or our core identity, which is not always true, um, and that one path has to be wrong for the other to be right, which is also not true. Sometimes people can have different paths. Sometimes there can be a truth for one person that is not a truth for somebody else. And I think that that, that is really, the I think, the core of this Mercury-Mars square is that your truth may not necessarily be the same as someone else's. And you're going to have to allow for that ambiguity to to, to just remain. You don't have to solve it. You just have to kind of res resolve the ambiguity within yourself so that you're not inadvertently creating external conflict, um, you know, based on trying to make everyone else wrong so that you can be right. Does that make sense? All right. So that's, that's my, that's my dad warning for the, for this day. Um, okay. One other interesting thing is happening here on the 25th. Mercury will be at the the bends or at the squaring the nodes. So this again is a, is a point where we may be trying to bring something into fruition, um, and uh, it, it may be some challenging things regarding it. Now I believe that this is one of the bendings that is associated more with the south node. Um, I think this is the the southern bending. I'm not completely sure on that detail, but one of the bendings is more associated with, you know, things from the past and letting go of things to reconcile these two opposing um, nodal viewpoints. So there may be something that comes up around the 25th that we, a viewpoint, a, a belief system, a, a, a narrative that we were hanging on to from the past that just has to be let go of, that may also be part of the Mercury-Mars severing that might take place as somebody's perspective may show you that the one that you've been holding on to with a death grip is no longer valid. And to, to be able to move forward on your chosen path, you may have to cut that, cut that position out of your life and, and accept the fact that the new information that you've received may uh, lead to a new awareness and a new belief system. And that's okay. It's You know what is absolutely okay? Changing your mind every once in a while. I think that that's one of the most humble acts that you can do as a human being is when experience shows you that a past belief system is no longer valid, letting it go. Letting it go. I think that a lot of the ills of the world come from holding on to a position that is well past its prime, that is, you know, eventually, that, that at one point was the right answer. Every right answer can eventually become the wrong answer. And vice versa, when something is the wrong answer, sometimes it can morph into the right answer. It's tricky like that. It's mercurial like that. 
you know, we can see the the yin and the yang with uh, this concept. Let's draw it on the screen. I'll draw a bad version of it. Okay. But you can see that we've got this kind of experience of energy flowing into itself, right? In wholeness. And we've got a little bit of the seed of the light in the dark. And we've got a little bit of seed of the dark in the light. And it's just a continual process. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing bad about it. It's just, uh, it's just life. It's just the Tao. And just as we are at one point young people where we are ascending in life and we're growing and we are learning and we are, uh, you know, having a sense of wonder at the world. I hope we never lose a sense of wonder, but eventually we, we come into wisdom the body that we are housing the spirit in starts to decay instead of grow stronger, starts to grow weaker. And in that case, though, the, maybe this, hopefully, if we're living this life, I think, uh, gracefully, maybe the spirit grows stronger. Maybe our wisdom grows stronger. There's always a trade-off, right? I don't know about, you know, some babies are kind of wise, but most babies aren't. Most babies don't know, you know, how, to, how the world works yet. And that's okay. That's not their fault. It's just that they haven't had experience in, in these particular bodies in this particular circumstance. And eventually you have experience and it, it teaches you uh, what works and what doesn't. And I think this is one of the challenging things about growing old, though, is at various points in our life, certain things work. And we feel like that because one thing has worked in the past, we need to apply that method to everything in the future. And we can really get ourselves hung up and stuck when we try to do that. I, I've been very guilty of this in the past. I have a um, Taurus moon, <laughs> Leo ascendant. I got a lot of fixed stuff going on. And uh, I don't particularly enjoy changing my method with things. Now, I do have uh, a stack up in Virgo and Venus and Gemini. So there is definitely some flexibility. And I, I've always said that I reserve the right to change my mind when I'm making a declarative statement in, in Jupiter in Virgo fashion. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think that you can do that too. You can say, this is my truth right now, but I reserve the right to change my mind. And I don't necessarily agree with your perspective, but that's okay. That may be true for you. And uh, eventually maybe I'll come around to your viewpoint, but you know, be open, I think, to being flexible. Um, I think that's really a key is the way that you stay young, the way that you stay supple is to allow some flexibility in your mind. Look at all the folks that practice yoga. What is the point of yoga? It's to stay flexible. And it, it, it's just as, just as much about keeping your, your mind and your heart flexible as it is your body. Those two things are related to, to one another, right? All right. So let's move forward uh, from this point in time. And we are going to examine when Mercury moves into the third decan of Pisces. So this happens right around the 29th of March. Um, and this is a, another kind of pivotal point in the cycle. Because just as Mercury moves into the third decan of Pisces, it'll make a conjunction with Neptune. So after that challenging square with Mars, we're going to see Mercury, you know, coming in contact with the planet of dissolving. This may be where after the conflict that we have, something has to dissolve and be returned to universal substance. Um, as I've said often in this program, my experience of Neptune is one where I just feel a lack of energy. Um, Schmidt, Schmidt talks about this as a transcendental moon where we're, you know, it's almost like we're returning the essence back to spirit and the matter back to universal substance. It's that dissolving type of energy. Um, yes, we can also think of it as a desire to transcend physical reality altogether to to sacrifice or martyr ourselves for some kind of cause or purpose. Um, but you just have to be careful because Neptune also has some associations with toxicity 
with uh, altered states of consciousness, with poisons, um, with belief systems that can, you know, either overwhelm us or take us off of our path completely. So this may be where we finally are resolving an illusion or a delusion that we have. And that can be painful sometimes that there may be some sadness associated with this. Um, there may be some real beauty. Uh, it is both. I think it can be both of those things simultaneously. So like I said, as Mercury ingresses into Pisces three, it's going to immediately conjunct Neptune. Okay. Um, and this tarot card that's associated with this decan is uh, the 10 of cups. This one is called, um, this one is called a cup of blood in Austin Kopic's book. And it is the Mars decan. The second decan was a Jupiter decan where we're trying to, after we've gone off in search of meaning, we're trying to like, you know, bring it into some kind of order. We're trying to be Neo in the matrix in the second decan of Pisces. And now in the third decan, we're, we're saying, what are we going to sacrifice for, for the vision, for the, for the happy ending, for uh, what are we willing to give up for our wish when you wish upon a star, as I've been talking about in previous videos with Pisces. This is the heights and the depths of, of you know, agony and ecstasy. I would caution you with this position. Um, be gentle with yourself. You're probably going to be feeling fairly emotional around this period of time. Uh, choose the middle path, right? Choose the balance point, the equilibrium point. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. This too shall pass. Mercury moves really quickly through through Pisces here. You know, we've got, I don't know, roughly mm, about 20 days or so, maybe not even, I don't know, about 20 days, really quickly. Okay, and that's, that's fast moving Mercury. Whereas when we were walk, moving through Aquarius, we had a retrograde, we had everything slowing down. Um, we, we've had Mercury in Aquarius since, since uh, January. So we had two months, at least two months worth of mercury in aquarius and here we've got less than a month so again the heavy emotions the cleansing let the cleansing happen but don't dwell on it don't get too hung up on it because there's going to be actions that you're going to need to take in the near future so try not to let your emotions overwhelm you to the point of becoming dysfunctional around this period of time now that being said uh, when we move forward to uh the 31st we're going to see um, Mercury hitting a, a fixed star called Markab at 23 degrees of Pisces. And that was the saddle of Pegasus. That was the um, stabilization point while we were ascending to the heights of our dream on the winged horse, right? So we, after we have gone through that cleansing, dissolving, um, purification, maybe even with Neptune or, or like the humi humbling, you know, the, the ultimate humbling, right? Uh, maybe we will find a point of stability from having released some of those challenges in the past. And that can help us move forward. That can help us move forward with grace and dignity and, and with confidence, right? I think that this is the, this is going to be part of the, the challenge with Mercury in, in Pisces is there may be confidence questions. We may be questioning ourselves, saying this, is this really what I want? Is this really what I want to do? And it's okay to ask those questions. Um, on the 2nd of March, I'm sorry, of April, we're going to April now. In the 2nd of April, we're going to see our final aspect that Mercury is going to make between Mercury and Pluto. So we have a sextile between Mercury and Pluto at about 26 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn, respectively. So this is where we're going to be unearthing all of the, the clogged up junk, the corruption, maybe the, the you know, everything that we have pushed down beneath the surface that will need to be dealt with for us to, to move forward with our life. And um, this is a harmonious relationship between these two. So maybe some of the realizations that we come to throughout Mercury's journey will help us to unclog the, the, the sticky you know, parts of our life or, or uh, the drains, the clogged up drains of our life. 
And that will that will be a liberating influence. A lot of the times, though, I will, I will say this. Um, I really enjoy the way Liz Green talks about Ereshkigal and Pluto. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, go, go look up the story of Inanna in Ereshkigal. And um, the, the key takeaway from that, though, is that the way that you that Liz Green likes to deal with Pluto things is a lot of the things with Pluto may be out of our control. And instead of trying to necessarily fix it, we may have to accept it and have empathy for it. So she talks about the the mourners of Ereshkigal, or of Inanna, the mourners of Inanna, like having empathy for Ereshkigal, the, the, the mistress of the underworld and how that was able to alleviate a lot of her suffering just by being present and hearing her. So this may be a point where just by being present for your pain or for someone's pain and having empathy for somebody, um, that may be able to, to un unclog the drain and help move you forward and, and release some of the, the tension or the pain or the blockage just by being present and having empathy. All right, then finally, on, on April the 3rd, we, we move forward into, uh, into Mercury and Aries, okay? So you see there's the ingress of Mercury into Aries, okay? Um, the one thing that I did want to point out before we move to our I Ching reading is that around April the 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, uh, one thing that is important in our mercurial cycle is that Mercury, excuse me, is going to be going under the beams of the sun. And that is an important point where Mercury becomes invisible again. Mercury is again, maybe entering the, the underworld or uh, the hidden place. Now, I do have some questions on as to whether the superior uh, conjunction with the sun is an entrance into the underworld or not. Um, from my understanding, I do have a fairly clear understanding that when Mercury is retrograde and under the beams, it is in its psychopomp journey. Now, I'm not exactly sure what Mercury could be doing when it's invisible, uh, going into the heart of the sun from the superior conjunction, which is direct in motion. Uh, I've talked to my friend Gary Caton about this a little bit, and I think that one of the ways he described it is Mercury going to, the, to Mount Olympus when it is uh, in the superior position. And maybe this was his return from visiting the gods and bringing the significations back down to earth. And, and sometimes he may have to work behind the scenes to bring those new beliefs, those new animating principles into form. So uh, just kind of talking that out, that seems to make the most sense as to what we're experiencing here. But um, when Mercury is under the beams, it's a little bit more difficult to... Um, see visible progress when it comes to mercurial matters. So be careful of that. Um, one other thing I want to say too is in America, tax day is April 15th. And uh, <laughs> this, be real careful with your taxes if you're doing your taxes around the time that Mercury is in Pisces, because it, it, it's really easy to, to kind of get confused about the details. I know right now they've changed a lot of tax law uh, just in the last few weeks even. Um, so, so really check and double check uh, all of the new laws. You may actually be eligible for more relief than, than you uh, can think of at this point. Um, there may be some surprises with your taxes. If you've like, for example, if you've gotten unemployment income, a lot of that is taxable. Um, so there may be a bill. I think that this is another thing that Mercury and Pisces is going to be wreaking havoc on over this period of time as people are getting a lot of be frustrated with their taxes. I almost think that uh, what I would do over this period of time and what I might do myself is try to collect as much information uh, around this time and then wait till Mercury moves into Aries to actually file uh, after I'm able to get a little bit more clarity with it. Uh, and that might be cutting it a little too close to the, to the deadline for a lot of people, but it might uh, make it so that there's not as many challenges uh, moving forward or, or mistakes that you might have to clear up. All right. So that is something I wanted to point out, the Mercury going under the sun's beams on the second. All right. Let's look at our I Ching and wrap this thing up. Thank you for hanging out with me today. I know it's a little bit longer video, 
Uh, I'm doing my best to be as succinct as I possibly can and, and to talk about a number of aspects and a number of movements. So what I'm doing here is I'm drawing the hexagram that is associated with the reading that I did for Mercury in Pisces for 2021. And uh, what I've got here is hexagram number 43 with two changing lines. Okay, line number two and line number five. Actually, this is line number two. This is line number five for you technical-minded folks out there. And it's moving to hexagram 55. So what we are looking at here is we have a trigram that is... 43 is made up of two trigrams, uh, the lake or the marsh on top of heaven. That's 43. And that makes up the hexagram. And then 55 is thunder on top of the light or fire. So think about that one as th thunder Thunder and lightning, okay? So each of these trigrams sort of has an, a, an essence that when they come together, they create this, you know, this kind of circumstance that we're ascribing to our lives as human beings that is a force of nature on some level. And when the lake is over top of heaven, you can think of that as like a, Oh, like a cloud, right? It, it's a it's a it's a cloud that is pouring the blessing of rain because the lake is different than just water. Water is is like an abyss or confusion where you don't you don't know where you are and you're you're confused. Lake or marsh is like a an abundant source of life. Like think of like a lake that has a lot of fish in it or a lot of like seaweed or or you know bugs and all of these things that where life is really, you know prevalent and, and you know abundant there's an abundance with it so whenever we have uh the lake on top of heaven is kind of like creation itself so we've got this this combination of lake and heaven this creating abundance where we have to they call this hexagram deciding resolution breakthrough you know like finally the clouds have opened up and it's raining and we're taking action on something so they talk a lot about sharing your blessings and actually finding your voice in this hexagram, which I, I thought was fun because we were, you know, talking about the muteness of Mercury and Pisces, and we really have to figure out how are we going to speak uh, in this in this case. So Hillary Barrett, in her wonderful book uh, "Walking Your Path," asked the following questions for hexagram forty-three. It says, "What do you stand for? How do you define yourself?" What belongs in your realm, and where do you need to make a clean break? Now, one of the things that I didn't discuss when I was talking about the condition of Mercury is that Jupiter is going to be providing from Aquarius 3, which is associated with the Seven of Swords. And that is all about leaving the known behind completely, okay? So that's that's that card where you see someone sneaking away with uh the, the, you know, of five swords and leaving a few behind and looking over his shoulder and saying, what stays and what goes? And I need to just finally just leave this situation behind. So really a lot of this, you know, questioning that we're doing is, is in an attempt to finally move forward with our life and, and leave behind the past. So again, I really do think that this will be a, a transit of Mercury where we're letting go of old limiting belief systems so that we can move forward with our new chosen reality and our new chosen path. Okay, so this one talks about asserting your identity and your right to be heard. Uh, there is a quote where it says, you should speak your truth even in the king's chamber, like even if it brings danger to you, right? Uh, asserting your, um, or declaring your, your, your truth could stir up these old insecurities or old ghosts and put you in some kind of danger. When you state your truth, you run the risk that other people will disagree with you and have a different truth. And again, like I stated in the beginning of this, that's okay. Everybody has their own animating principle, and sometimes they're even diametrically opposed. But just like we need night and day to balance out you know, the, the, the length of day, 
just like we have winter and summer that balance each other out. Sometimes we have people that are working at different purposes in life that bring balance to the world as well. We have accountants and we have uh, we have painters and they've served completely different functions in the world, but we need both of them. You know, you're probably, you don't want to hire the painter to do your taxes this year, which you may be tempted to do which, with Mercury and Pisces. You're like, you pick your, your most uh, poetic friend and you say, you know, help me with my taxes. And they're like, hark, what light on yonder window breaks? You know, they're just waxing poetic with Shakespeare. That's not the person that you want, like trying to help you with your taxes. You want someone who's uh, grounded and, and, you know, able to see what you may have missed rather than somebody who uh, may miss what you've already seen. Okay. So I, I think that that's a great way of thinking about this is they have equal importance though. Like you're not going to hire the accountant if you're going to commission somebody to paint a, a portrait of your beloved cat that, uh, you know, you want to immortalize in, in surrealistic art, right? <laughs> like, you know, you might want to do to hang out with that Piscean type person to get the essence of their, of their beloved soul. Right. So again, balance is the key. Uh, it says it's better to to uh, put your truth out there, even if it creates danger, rather than ignoring it. So don't get so hung up that you're going to create waves uh, that you don't decide to speak out or to you, that you don't you know repress yourself too much or censor. Um, this is a time to communicate. It says not fight. So we shouldn't be fighting with other people. We should be, you know communicating, weighing, balancing, getting some other opinions so that our vision can be refined. It says, focus your intention on what you are moving towards, not what you are reacting against. Really important for the Mercury-Mars square, okay? You know, Mercury's using Jupiter, which wants to bring things together. So, you know, instead of just saying, you know, I don't agree with that, that's not me, blah, 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 uh, just show the, the merits and the values of your position and, and then leave it at that. And they can state the values and merits of their position and they can leave it at that. And if you have to agree to disagree, so be it. All right. All right. Line number two at the bottom here uh, says, Alarmed, calling out evening and night, bearing arms, do not fear. It says a call to change has come. Uh, it's important uh, to carry your message well. Uh, develop caution and inner strength to overcome the fear of the unknown. Pursue the middle course. Uh, so there's something that's pushing us to act, right? There's, there's some kind of alarm that's been raised. There's some thing in your life that is saying, okay, it's go for it o'clock. It's, it's time to take an action. And it may bring up a lot of fear. It may bring up a lot of adrenaline um, because we're like, oh no, like this is a, a scary type of thing. But it's important to stay disengaged. It's important to stay alert to your environment and, and to, you know, imagine that you are out in the wilderness like this figure in the Eight of Cups. And in your journey, you see lots of dark clouds forming, lake above the heaven, right? And you know a thunderstorm is coming. And you can feel all the possibilities that are about to come into your life, all the responsibilities, all the things that, you know, potentially it could feel dangerous because of the change. And, you know, you don't want to get caught out in the rain with without an umbrella, right? Or you don't want to get caught out in the open if there's a thunderstorm coming. So you have to have vigilance. You have to maybe take some shelter. Uh, you have to be aware of your surroundings so that you don't get struck by lightning. And um, vigilance, I think, is the key to this line, right? Um, just being cautious and not not doing anything terribly, uh, you know, I don't know, <laughs> foolhardy. Okay, so let's move forward to, to line number five. It says, amaranth on the high ground. Decide, decide, move to the center, no mistake. So it says, nutritious, healing amaranth grows on the high ground by itself. No one planted it. Um, this talks this this line in my research and reading multiple translations. This line is really, I think, about accepting what is coming to you, which is could be potentially something value, but also potentially something unexpected. 
but what it may require you to do is to stretch beyond your previous limitations to, to ascend to the high ground, uh, to reach it, right? Uh, and, and I think that, that one of the things you're going to have to do is decide how you want to use your energy to be able to reach that, that thing of value, that nutritious, um, nourishing amaranth, whatever, that, whatever form that takes in your life, you know, whatever that represents in your life. Um, but it did. It does talk a lot about using balance in your energy. Remember, again, balance is always the key. Uh, when we make a decision, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, we can kind of uh, live our, ourselves into the answers. And again, Pisces is a mutable sign. It's very changeable. The answer that you thought you were pursuing, the dream that you thought were was pursuing, you know, or was pursuing you, <laughs> or that you were pursuing may not be the one that's actually pursuing you, right? I guess is how I want to say that. Uh, it may not be uh, what spirit has in mind for you. A lot of the times, the act of surrender, which is also a Piscean theme, uh, especially in the third deck in surrendering, is uh, a lot of the times the divine has a plan that's better than our own. A lot of the times God, or whatever you want to call it, uh, gives us a course correction and we, through our limited amount of awareness, we may think that we're acting in service of the greater plan or the greater mystery, but we don't always have all the information. And sometimes, like I said in the beginning of this, circling back around, when new information is presented to us, that's when we have to shift and think on our toes and, and um, you know, change course. So that might be part of what this uh, is all about as well, is if new information comes up, you're going to have to be flexible, right? You have to be uh, willing to, to, to make adjustments. All right. So this is moving towards 55, which is called abundance, zenith, fullness. This is a, an inch, a really interesting hexagram, mostly positive, um, but also late, latent with responsibilities. Uh, 55, it says, what are you called on to do? What decisions must you make now? Uh, Hillary Barrett talks about being that you are sitting on a cornucopia, a wealth of resources, but also a wealth of choices, tasks, and demands. So there's a story of a ruler that was waiting for a sign to, uh, I don't know, I think overthrow a corrupt kingdom or something of that nature. And he was, you know, in the process of, you know, waiting for this omen. And finally he saw an eclipse and he was like, all right, it's, there's the eclipse. There's the sign I was asking for. It's go four o'clock. It's time to take an action. It's time to take up, you know, power. It's time to take on the mantle of responsibility. So there might be a sign that happens, an omen in your life um, that may spur you into action. Perhaps maybe when Mercury goes under the beams or something of that nature, maybe through a realization that comes to you through the conflict with Mercury and Mars through the dissolving of Mercury and Neptune, and then eventually the contact with Mercury and Pluto, that you know says, okay, you, you aren't going to be able to stay in this position any longer. It's time to move. And the, the hexagram specifically talks about, this is not the time to grieve the past or wallow in sorrow. It's, it's time to decide what you're going to do and make practical preparations and, and march out. It's go time. Okay. Now, You've heard me, if you listen to this, this uh, channel, you've heard me preach patience and preach, you know, balance and equilibrium. Yeah, that's my default. But there are moments where we do have to spring into action. And there are moments where we just do, it's time to make a choice. We can no longer continue on the path that we were on before without suffering. And I think this is that moment. This is spring. This is the time that we have to say, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do now. I've, I've reviewed, I've reflected, I've, you know, tested my viewpoint with other people's viewpoints. I've maybe gotten some feedback that was, you know, hopefully it was constructive and not too painful. And now it's time to, to make a decision. It's time to let go of something. This is going to alleviate some of the pain of Mars and in, in Gemini too, because Mars and Gemini is saying, all right, you got to let go of one of those options so that the other can live. It's really the story of Gemini as one of those twins gave up part of his immortality so that the other could, could live half the time on Olympus after he died, after he perished. So 
Uh, this is also kind of the result of Mars moving through Gemini 3 too, right? You see all the swords and the, the Ten of Swords with the, all the swords in the back of that figure. Like that was a choice that was made. A lot of times when we incarnate into a new life, you know, we have to let go of the imagined other paths. All right. Well, I hope that this was helpful for you today. Uh, thank you for going on the journey with me uh, with Pisces, the Mercury and Pisces journey. Um, if you are enjoying this channel, uh, make sure that you're leaving a comment there. Tell me all about your Piscean journey. I want to really hear about if you had any specific experiences when Mercury hits Mars. Um, I want to hear the questions that you have about your journey moving forward. Um, what is it that you're searching for? And where do you think you're at and where are you going? And did the universe provide any course corrections for you along the path? Um, if you're enjoying this channel, hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. If you want to support the work that I do, uh, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com or you can buy me some mate, right? That's a, everybody is, has a different way of thinking about that. Um, my friend Tarja from Finland says, I'm buying you a smoothie and I'm grateful whatever it is that uh, anybody wants to contribute, it really does help me do the work that I'm doing here. I've set my channel up and my business model to be one of donation-based where um, I'm putting most of my work out for free and, and just sharing it with the world. And I'm relying on the generosity of your donations to keep doing what I'm doing and, and keeping these things accessible for the most amount of people possible. So thank you so much for everyone who has supported that vision. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you. And let's keep keep on rolling with uh, moving towards a, an equitable society where everyone has access to the information that they need. So anyway, I appreciate all of you. Uh, be kind with yourself uh, over this mercurial Piscean transit. Be kind to the other people in your life. Try to hold space for an opinion and a viewpoint that is not, um, you know, may not be in alignment with your own vision. It's okay to disagree, to agree to disagree with people. It's not a, an attack on your own character. Uh, it's just uh, the beauty of the variety of the experience of life. All right. I'll see you the next time, everyone. Peace.